Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast with Simon Cocking, Senior Editor. I'll be doing a series of interviews with people at the cutting edge of green tech, clean tech, and anything else that we think is interesting and worth listening to for you guys, our listeners. Okay, so today uh, we are very uh, lucky and happy to be talking with Shannon Polson, uh, whose book we recently reviewed, uh, and uh, I, she, she broke many uh, things for the first time, and therefore, it, you know, she has a lot of experience of doing things that people haven't done before. So, look, first of all, uh, thanks. It's great to have you on. Great to be here with you. Cool. And for those that don't know, could you maybe just uh, give them an idea of uh, your book, uh, the title of it, and what it was about? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the book, and I thank you so much for your your wonderful review recently, but it's The Grit Factor, Courage, Resilience, and Leadership in the Most Male-Dominated Organization in the World. And it, uh, it really is a synthesis of stories shared and lessons learned from leaders in the vanguard of their field. They happen to be women, they happen to be military, and, uh, and I approached it from my own experience as one of the first women to fly the Apache helicopter, who then transitioned through an MBA and time in the corporate world as well. But it was really important to me that this be much bigger than my own experience. And, uh, and I wanted to be able to share these other stories. So I spent several years researching, talking to these other incredible leaders. There are early women general officers across the services, a combat rescue swimmer from the Coast Guard, um, another early Apache pilot who became one of the first women Army Rangers, actually, and one of the first women to serve on submarines, along with many, many more aviators across three different generations from World War II to the present. And, and truly, the synthesis of their stories and lessons learned is incredibly powerful. And we approach each lesson through the story, but then, of course, use the supporting research, the most current leadership and management research, and then end with very tactical exercises to be able to apply it to your own life. Yeah, look, I mean, and, and in the book, you do have, you know, some great examples. I mean, and, you know, we went away and looked up several of them, you know, like the Coast Guard one you mentioned is impressive uh, and the lady who was running for senator. So uh, you definitely have collated some really good stories. But but also, I mean, you you are being modest, too, because, I mean, you know, you you were the first to fly the attack helicopter. So so when you were a girl, was that was that what you wanted to do? Was everyone else doing X and you wanted to, to go and fly uh, attack helicopters? How did that come about? <laughs> Yeah, well, when I graduated college, I had been part of, in the U.S., we have this reserve officer training program, which is something that you do to help pay for college and and, um, and training that you do while you're at college as well or at the university. And so when I left university with a degree in English, I went on to flight school. And it was just when I graduated that Apache helicopters, that attack helicopters, were open to women to fly. So I hadn't I hadn't considered it prior to that. I had always, I'd grown up in Alaska. I, um, you know, when I was 19, I had a chance to climb Denali, the highest peak in North America. And um, and I liked, you know, I'd skydived. I had my advanced parachutist license. I, I loved adventure and I loved challenge. And I think when uh, when attack aircraft opened up to women to fly, I figured that was the, the most fun and the most challenging thing I could do. And so I was all in. Yeah. Oh, I mean, and I mean, look, I mean, just flying is fantastic. So it, it must have been a great experience. Um, for, from when you did that now to like if there were girls leaving college in ROTC, um, are there the same barriers to, to, to using all the technology in the military or, 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 the, or, or were people like you able to change how things were perceived? Like how different is it now? You know, there's still quite a lot of challenge. And I think at the end of the day, these are these are social and cultural challenges, but they're also leadership challenges. And that's 
that's where I think there is incredible opportunity uh, technically. I mean, technically everything is open to women now, but I think the reality is still that unless the leadership is really supportive, it's quite challenging. And, that, and that's the case, whether it's a corporate environment or a military environment, obviously, or any kind of an organization. So that's really where I think leadership has the opportunity and has not always, frankly, stepped up in recent times, at least in the U.S. military, to support ensuring that these are opportunities to contribute fully, as opposed to fighting this resistance that um, that can be quite substantial. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and you know, there's a Laurie Anderson song that talks about how the rate that women get paid relative to men is 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 gradually reducing. But but if it continued the rate it did, she says it might be two thousand five hundred before they're at parity. So, like you're articulating, the changes are are happening, but maybe not quickly enough. Um, when 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 you um, moved on from the military, I guess did you go sooner or later? I mean, because I know most people do maybe 10 to 15 years, like people don't stay there forever, do they? So what what prompted your decision to move on? That's a great question. So I had served 10 years, two years in the National Guard while I was in college and then uh, eight years active duty. And I left at the end of my obligation. If you go to flight school, your obligation is quite a bit longer uh, and transitioned through my MBA at the Tuck School at Dartmouth before going on to work in the medical device industries and then the technology industry at Microsoft. And so that decision, um, you know, it's, it's a complicated answer, actually, to that question. I would say that probably the most important thing is that I was no longer as passionate about what I was doing. And you've got to be pretty passionate about what you're doing to, to stick with that, I think, in a way, mm -hmm. um, because the demands are, are significant on your life and, and your work. Um, but the other part is that I, I didn't look ahead of me and see anybody that was more senior to me living a life that I wanted to live. And I think that was a really good indicator that um, that I didn't see a good direction that was going to be uh, one that I was excited about. And so it was time to try something else where I had a little bit more control over my life. And I'm incredibly grateful for the experience, of course, but it was also time to move on and, and apply that experience to other challenges. So, I mean, being in the military um, seems a bit like being a professional athlete in that you train very hard and you do what you do. So how was being in the military helpful for them what you did afterwards? Yeah, you know, I think there's so many different nuanced pieces. Obviously, flying the Apache itself is not particularly helpful to corporate life. Um, <laughs> but I do think that, um, and this is really where I think the grit factor came into being in my own mind before I could really even articulate it, is that the lessons that you learn about leadership, about yourself, about how you 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 find that strength deep inside yourself, and you know I, I always talk about this as as using the word grit. It's a word that we used when I was growing up as well. It's certainly more in common parlance today, but that grit is the most important ingredient to success, right? More than education, more than connections, more than experience. And that grit is something that you develop by doing hard things. You get better at doing hard things by doing hard things. And that's the growth mindset. That, that's the work from Carol Dweck in Stanford. That's um, Angela Duckworth's work at University of Pennsylvania as well. So grit is a really important component. And it's something that you both have to locate and develop over the course of the challenges of a military career. And so that's absolutely something that you can take forward and apply to any situation in life. And that's where I think this, this book has this incredible value. It's, it's what I wish I would have had starting out because one of the things that became very clear to me in my own experience, as well as these other incredible leaders sharing their stories, 
was that grit is not this discrete thing that you either have or you don't have and you pull out, you know, for when things get tough, but it's something that's woven into the fabric of our being. And that's something that can be developed. It's not something you have or don't have or that some people have more of. It's something that you can develop just like you develop a muscle. I liked your, your professional athlete analogy there. And given that, you know, when I looked at these stories and did the synthesis of all these stories and lessons learned, they really broke out into three sections. Uh, commit, learn, and launch, which correlate to past, present, and future. So this commit stage is really deep internal work. And that deep internal work is owning your own story. It's drilling down the core purpose. And then that learn stage is a deep engagement in the present. And what came out of these interviews, it was interesting, is certainly building your team and drawing your circle is critical. Becoming an active listener is really, really important. It's actually the most strategic leadership skill that every senior leader brought up. And then ultimately building those skills of grit and resilience, building the mindset that actually helps to support you in accessing and this grit that is necessary for the tough times. And then we get to launch and launch is this forward facing movement that is grounded in the past, engaged in the present, but looking to the future with audacity. That's the willingness to take risks, the willingness to face failure with authenticity, being true to who you really are. So you can fully contribute all of your gifts to whatever the challenge is, whatever the mission is. And then adaptability. And if this last year has taught us anything, it's all how to be adaptable. So commit, learn, and launch, which is past, present, and future. This is the grit triad. And it's surrounded by a mindset of grounded optimism, which I can definitely go into. But that is really not the technical skills of flying a helicopter, but learning those elements of both uh, self-leadership and leadership others and leadership through challenge and change, that was incredibly powerful when I moved into a corporate situation, was to be able to pull that into an entirely other environment. And so this book, although it pulls from these stories that are primarily military, it is absolutely something that applies to any of our challenges and any kind of obstacle that might be in our way. Yeah, I think like you're saying, it's giving you a mental skill set to not be overwhelmed by new situations uh, that you may you can't possibly know the answer to when you begin but you just deconstruct it and work out how to deal with it um you you touched on where we are now and so in europe and in ireland particularly we've had a, a lockdown and a very big change in how we do things H how has 2020 been for you and uh, how has it has it informed the the wisdom and the insights that you deliver when you do your workshops and your your training with people yeah that is such a great question i mean obviously i my work is um is usually has been in person and so it's been delivering virtual it's been delivering keynotes in person on stage to companies and organizations across the country and around the world and so 2020 kind of put a stop to that my last keynote was in the middle of march in um, palm desert california and i was heading back up actually to deliver a keynote the next day at Microsoft when Microsoft shut everything down and everybody else shut everything down. And so we've got had to pivot really. And the first few months were pretty brutal. I think nobody really knew what to do. Um, but now I'm really finding that companies and organizations are getting comfortable with virtual keynotes, uh, with virtual presentations, with virtual online learning. Uh, and that's that can be online learning that's either done independently or where I can kick something off and then I can send people on their way with a workbook and then we can come back and regroup. I'm doing that right now for a tech company. And, you know, it's actually working really well. I'm, I'm, um, I've been very pleasantly surprised where things are ending up at the end of this year. That doesn't mean it's not still hard. Of course, it's challenging. It has um, there are many challenges that are associated with it, especially for those of us who have young children. But um, in mm -hmm. terms of 
how that informs what I deliver to companies. I will say that I hear from clients that people are tired, that they are anxious. I mean, significantly anxious, right? And um, and so one of the things I've been actually bringing up, and this is not in the grit factor, but it is an important component of grit, is understanding that grit is not a sustainable uh, operating solution, right? Grit is something that you employ when you need it in tough times. And this okay. is certainly a tough time, but because it, it it's so prolonged, it's really important for people to step back and take care of themselves. And you know, get offline on the weekends, get outside, spend time with their family, uh, do what you need to do to, to rest and, and, and relax. And I, I um, started to tell people that when I started to realize I needed to do it myself because many of us are working more than we ever have because we can be online for so much of it. So that's been a really important pivot in terms of the messaging for companies and organizations uh, in this time of COVID. Yeah, yeah. Look, you're right, and and like you say, I mean, uh, we had a pandemic, but we didn't have the Wi-Fi go down. So therefore, that was good in one way, but it, but equally, it, it, the, like I mean, here we are, like it's it's afternoon in Ireland and it's breakfast in California. So people's days could stretch to eighteen hours or more if they're not careful without doing those kind of things that you talk about. Um, so I'm not sure how much you've contemplated this or thought about this, but but for 2021 and beyond. And like you say, you can't be in a grit mindset 24-7 because that's a bit like lizard brain being on all the time. Um, so going forwards, how do you project good ways to, to combine both the, the, the things that we've learned from this year and um, smart ways of working as we move forward into the future? That's such a good question, Simon. And it's so important to start to make those plans and, and to start to put them into practice, right? Little bit by little bit. And I would say that it's really about uh, putting some structure to your day, putting boundaries on your day and your time and protecting that in meaningful ways. Uh, that means blocking off vacations. If you're on lockdown, figure something else out, right? But but take that vacation from work where you're not getting online, you're not checking in, you're not on your phone or, or answering that random straggler email even, mm -hmm. um, but really giving yourself some time off. I also think there's a potential, in addition to boundaries, in addition to structuring your time very, very rigorously and saying no to things, right? To, to make sure that you're 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 protecting yourself and, and allowing yourself to continue to contribute meaningfully, um, but also ensure that you're giving yourself time for something pleasurable. I mean, if whether it's dancing with your partner or whether it's playing music or something that is truly uh, that brings you joy, because I think that's an important thing to to schedule into your life as well, uh, insofar as the schedule will otherwise overtake you. So that really is, I think, being responsible and uh, and almost ruthless with your schedule to make sure that you protect what you need to protect and and give yourself time to contribute fully when it's time to be on. Yeah, yeah, to to be focused and then to have time walking the dog, swimming, everything just where your headspace is different. Uh, I think you're right. Otherwise, you go mad. Um, in as well as that, or I mean, and again, so so I learned some interesting things from your book, and I I learned about other people. So where where do you get your sources of information from and who inspires you? Oh, that's such a great question. I will say I have been incredibly inspired in the work of doing uh, the research for the grit factor and pulling that together because, you know, when we, when I was serving, I didn't know almost any women in the military. I knew a few, we had a chemical officer who was a good friend and a signal officer, but not others that were doing the same thing that I was doing or, mm -hmm. uh, or, or with the same sort of perspective. So, 
So that's been a huge source of inspiration for me. I do believe that we find incredible inspiration in others' stories. And I think that's an important part of developing our own story is to go for strength, to look at where others have overcome obstacles. And, you know, two books that I recommend, and I mentioned them in The Grit Factor that I gave actually to all my bridesmaids for my at my wedding was uh, West with the Night about Beryl Markham. And uh, and then I wrote from Corrine about Jill Carr Conway, who's a, an Australian uh, academic. And both of them overcame significant challenges. Uh, Beryl Markham was also an incredible adventurer and aviatrix. And, and I find there's a, a lot of uh, inspiration in the stories that I write, whether read, whether they're fiction or nonfiction. So that's really helpful. I also, you know, I, I will say I'm inspired to see that uh, whatever your political inclinations, it's pretty exciting that we have now a uh, a woman who is the VP elect at, in the U.S. and that's that's super exciting as well. There's some incredible work being done by people that are unsung and unknown, and also uh, now being heralded for the first time. So I find real real inspiration in that. But then at the end of the day, uh, you know, I know this is almost cliche to say, I find inspiration in my kids and their joy at learning and experiencing the world. Um, and in the people that I have a chance to work with. And I love working with people and seeing them learn and grow. And so those people that I'm working with right now, for example, at a tech company, we're bringing them through this going for grit training that I've tailored just for them. And I love seeing their enthusiasm and their vulnerability and what they're willing to share and, and their stories of strength and overcoming challenges. So those are all incredible sources of strength and inspiration for me. And, and you know, we just, we don't have to look far to find those things, right? Yeah, and I, I think that is yeah. a great. I, I, it is great that um, people are doing so many cool things and it's easier to have to become aware of those stories so you know like malala and everybody doing stuff and uh, greta thunberg uh people are yes. challenging things exactly no that's incredibly inspired I, I hope every young woman and young boy is inspired by that quite frankly i mean that's just incredible to see what some of the youth are doing uh it, it really does give you hope doesn't it yeah and I, I think we have to be glass half full i mean you were talking about uh optimistic mindset and i don't think it's being delusional about it and i don't think we should be techno solutionist but i think we should recognize like you know the amount of energy from renewables is going up there are positive trends out there it's not all negative um how do people find out more about you and what you do and uh keep an eye on and on, on your what you're up to yeah, well, first of all, I hope everyone will pick up their copy of The Grip Factor and leave a review about what you love on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. <laughs> but buy Very it from good. your local independent store as well if you're buying an extra copy. Um, I'm Shannon Polson, P-O-L-S-O-N.com, and I also am the founder of thegritinstitute.com. And that has, again, this is where I deliver online uh, and in person, I hope, sometime next year, keynotes for organizations around the world, as well as training that I can facilitate myself or provide for them online. So either way, I know this content is incredibly valuable, and I'm really excited to share it with your audience. Cool. And I guess I just, that final question is, with, with the Grit Institute, um, you know, what are you doing? Are you making them do endurance courses? Is it is it indoors? Is it outdoors? You know, <laughs> how, how, how do you give people instill grit in them? That's great. You know, what we're doing is we're working on those mental attributes that can apply to anything, whether it's your your physical state or your mental state, your professional or your personal life. So we really do look at 
those phases of commit, learn, and launch, which correspond to past, present, and future, right? That grit triad. And then the grounded optimism, that mindset of, of growth and of challenge that is what supports your journey of grit. And that applies to absolutely anything in your life. So we work very specifically on those challenges that uh, that will be able, make you able to weave that into the fabric of your life. And that's where you really see the change happen. Cool. Uh, look, I mean, when I got the book, I thought it was cool. Uh, we have young daughters. I thought it was a great thing to read. And I thought it was great to give to them to say, look, you know, people have done things as women that they haven't been considered they could do before. So and equally, because of the, the other examples you have, you know, it's not just about you. It's trying to, you know, be the rising tide that lifts all boats. So I think it's it was great to read it. And it's been a, a pleasure to talk to you. Simon, likewise, it truly is a pleasure. And I hope you'll recommend it to young boys as well, because like you said, to make that cultural change, this is about all of us being in it together. So it's for women and men and, uh, and the leadership and the grit lessons apply to all of us. Awesome, thank you very much. Thank you, Simon. We hope you enjoyed that podcast and we will be bringing you more across as diverse and interesting a range of stories as we can find. You're welcome to reach out to us on Twitter, LinkedIn or by email and give us any feedback and let us know what you'd like us to cover in the future. Thanks and keep listening.